Hello, this is Jerry Hendricks. And Adrian Hendricks of Save One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God and to human life than to bypass by ignorance or rejection His salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. We begin today with wolves in sheep's clothing. The Lord Jesus taught his disciples how to tell an authentic prophet of God from a wolf in sheep's clothing by observing their teachings and effects in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets. They come to you disguised as sheep, but in their hearts they are vicious wolves. You will know them by what they produce. People don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles, do they? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a rotten tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a rotten tree cannot produce good fruit. Any tree that fails to produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into a fire, so you will know them by what they produce. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, a wolf in sheep's clothing refers to someone or something that seems to be good but is actually not good at all. Commentator John Gill explains this passage thusly. Christ is speaking not of men of bad lives and conversations who take upon them to teach others, for there is not so much reason to caution good men against these. They are easily detected and generally discarded, but of men that put on sheep's clothing, who pretended to much holiness of life and conversation and strictness of religion, and under that disguise delivered out the most corrupt and unwholesome doctrines, which tended greatly to depreciate him and his grace and to do damage to the souls of men. Again, verse 15 reads, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Albert Barnes makes this commentary, False prophets. The word prophet originally means one who foretells future events. As prophets, however, were commonly regarded as public instructors on the subject of religion, the word came to denote all who were religious teachers. A false prophet is a teacher of incorrect doctrine or one falsely and unjustly laying claims to divine inspiration, who come in sheep's clothing. The sheep is an emblem of innocence, sincerity, and harmlessness. To come in sheep's clothing is to assume the appearance of sanctity and innocence when the heart is evil. Ravening wolves, rapacious, voraciously devouring, hungry even to rage when applied to the false teachers mean they assumed the appearance of holiness in order that they might the more readily get the property of the people. They are full of extortion and excess. People are often referred to as sheep in the Bible. The prophet declares this about the Lord Jesus at Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Apostle Peter makes a similar statement as he explains to believers what Jesus had done for them at 1 Peter 2, verses 24 and 25. He personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree as on an altar and offered himself on it that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
For you were going astray like so many sheep, but now you have come back to the shepherd and guardian, the bishop of your souls. The author of Psalm 119 states, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Jesus the Good Shepherd reveals his relationship with his sheep at John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd risks and lays down his life for the sheep. But the hired servant, who merely serves for wages, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, when he sees the wolf coming, deserts the flock and runs away. And the wolf chases and snatches them and scatters the flock. Now the hireling flees because he merely serves for wages and is not himself concerned about the sheep. He cares nothing for them. I am the good shepherd, and I know and recognize my own, and my own know and recognize me. Even as truly as the Father knows me, and I also know the Father, and I am giving my very own life and laying it down on behalf of the sheep. And I have other sheep beside these that are not of this fold. I must bring those also, and they will listen to my voice and heed my call, and so they will become one flock under one shepherd." Paul told the brethren he was about to leave at Acts 20, verses 28 through 32. Take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you bishops and guardians to shepherd, tend, and feed and guide the church of the Lord which he obtained for himself, buying it and saving it for himself with his own blood. I know that after I am gone, ferocious wolves will get in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves, men will come to the front who, by saying perverse, distorted, and corrupt things, will endeavor to draw away the disciples after them to their own party. Therefore, be always alert and on your guard, being mindful that for three years I never stopped night or day seriously to admonish and advise and exhort you one by one with tears. And now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in his charge, entrusting you to his protection and care. And I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and to give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. Our friend Harry Stegman, also affectionately known as Professor Harry, has received occasional messages from heaven since 1999. About these messages, Harry states, To some who have received these little writings, they have provided nuggets of encouragement for them in their journey, just as they did for me. Since these writings are meaningful only as relationship with our Creator makes them meaningful, their usefulness probably will remain confined to the nurture and expressive growth of that relationship. Its purpose is to build a platform from which a fitting response may be made to thank and honor the Creator. So if any of these words finds a place to be helpful in your process, I am honored to be part of your journey. Our precious, loving Heavenly Father, the God who never changes, lets us know beyond any doubt that His standards remain. For He has said at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. This thought is repeated at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. With this consideration in mind, we present the following letter of proclamation. My son, 
I must be clear about the matter of qualification. Men have markers in their various systems to identify points of qualification. Once that marker is in place, it is generally trusted indefinitely. To add a further degree of certification as advanced markers is often expected as well. But in my way of doing things, a man must continually be qualifying, both to move ahead in further purposes and also to keep current with me in continual relationship. Yesterday's light is like the manna, which is corruptible by the following day, not by vulnerability, but by purpose. Expect my kind of qualifying to produce divine ability, distinct from mere human ability. Grace is not offered to prop up the human element in man, but to allow friendship and partnership with me, and I am not diminished. So I will continually keep looking into your life opportunities for you to become further qualified for your next steps of purpose, my purpose. This can only remain meaningful for you as you pursue me as I pursue you. Stagnation not only lets opportunities and purpose pass you by, it will also dull your sensitivity to my calling and beckoning for your attention. Stagnation is your obsession with things that I hate. It is marked by a lack of confidence or by an overconfidence. Your confidence in me is not separate from your desire for my glory to be seen and not obscured. As you are qualified, so are you available to show my nature in your world, my creation. This is a delight to both you and me. Abba. Regardless of how qualified a person may appear to be based on the world's standards, God has different standards of qualification for those who speak on his behalf. People may appear abundantly qualified to preach and teach based on the world's fleshly standards, which may include multiple degrees and certifications. However, they may also be disqualified by God, the Father of all creation, as wolves in sheep's clothing. We must not allow ourselves to be deceived. Jude talks about wolves in sheep's clothing that infiltrate churches and other Christian assemblies for their own benefit. My dear friends, I was doing my best to write to you about the salvation we share in common when I felt the need of writing at once to encourage you to fight on for the faith which once and for all God has given to his people. For some godless people have slipped in unnoticed among us, people who distort the message about the grace of our God in order to excuse their immoral ways and who reject Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Long ago, the scriptures predicted the condemnation they have received. For even though you know all this, I want to remind you of how the Lord once rescued the people of Israel from Egypt, but afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Remember the angels who did not stay within the limits of their proper authority, but abandoned their own dwelling place. They are bound with eternal chains in the darkness below, where God is keeping them for that great day on which they will be condemned. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah and the nearby towns whose people acted as those angels did and indulged in sexual immorality and perversion. They suffered the punishment of eternal fire as a plain warning to all. In the same way also, these people have visions which make them sin against their own bodies. They despise God's authority and insult the glorious beings above. Not even the chief angel Michael did this. In his quarrel with the devil, when they argued about who would have the body of Moses, 
Michael did not dare condemn the devil with insulting words, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people attack with insults anything they do not understand, and those things that they know by instinct, like wild animals, are the very things that destroy them. How terrible for them! They have followed the way that Cain took. For the sake of money, they have given themselves over to the error that Balaam committed. They have rebelled as Korah rebelled, and like him, they are destroyed. With their shameless carousing, they are like dirty spots in your fellowship meals. They take care only of themselves. They are like clouds carried along by the wind, but bringing no rain. They are like trees that bear no fruit, even in autumn, trees that have been pulled up by the roots and are twice dead. They are like wild waves of the sea with their shameful deeds showing up like foam. They are like wandering stars for whom God has reserved a place forever in the deepest darkness. It was Enoch, the seventh direct descendant from Adam, who long ago prophesied this about them. The Lord will come with many thousands of his holy angels to bring judgment on all, to condemn them all for the godless deeds they have performed and for all the terrible words that godless sinners have spoken against him. These people are always grumbling and blaming others. They follow their own evil desires. They brag about themselves and flatter others in order to get their own way. Some wolves may even be in our pulpits, leading congregants away from the true word of God. How do you recognize these wolves? Paul offers a warning about such people at Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brethren, to be on your guard concerning those who create dissensions and difficulties and cause divisions. In opposition to the doctrine, the teaching which you have been taught, I warn you to turn aside from them to avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites and base desires. And by ingratiating and flattering speech, they beguile the hearts of the unsuspecting and simple-minded people. Commentator Adam Clark makes this observation on verse 18. They profess to be apostles, but they are not apostles of Christ. They neither do his will nor preach his doctrine. They serve their own belly. They have intruded themselves into the church of Christ that they might get a secular support. It is for worldly gain alone that they take up the profession of the ministry. They have no divine credentials. They convert not the heathen nor the ungodly, for they have no divine unction, but by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple, perverting Christian converts that they may get their property and thus secure a maintenance for themselves. The church of God has ever been troubled with such pretended pastors, men who feed themselves, not the flock, men who are too proud to beg and too lazy to work, who have neither grace nor gifts to plant the standard of the cross on the devil's territories, and by the power of Christ make inroads upon his kingdom and spoil him of his subjects. By sowing the seeds of dissension, by means of doubtful disputations, and the propagation of scandals, by glaring and insinuating speeches, for they affect elegance and good breeding. They rend Christian congregations, form a party for themselves, and thus live on the spoils of the Church of God. We are again warned against being taken captive by such deceivers at Colossians 2 verse 8. Take care lest there be someone who leads you away as prisoners by means of his philosophy and idle fancies, following human traditions and the world's crude notions instead of following Christ. The Lord himself had something to say to false prophets at Jeremiah 23 that yet applies to those who would speak for God on their own. 
Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, As the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them. Then they shall dwell in their own land. Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me, all my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine, because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land mourns, and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil, and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Therefore their ways shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness, into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. In the prophets of Samaria I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? 
I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, and who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness, when I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. When one of this people, or a prophet or a priest, asks you, What is the burden of the Lord? You should say to them, You are the burden, and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. And as for the prophet, priest, or one of the people who says the burden of the Lord, I will punish that man in his household. Thus shall you say, Every one to his neighbor and every one to his brother, What has the Lord answered, or what has the Lord spoken? But the burden of the Lord you shall mention no more, for the burden is every man's own word, and you pervert the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus you shall say to the prophet, What has the Lord answered you, or what has the Lord spoken? But if you say, The burden of the Lord, thus says the Lord, because you have said these words, The burden of the Lord, when I sent to you, saying, You shall not say, The burden of the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will surely lift you up and cast you away from my presence, you and the city that I gave to you and your fathers. And I shall bring upon you everlasting reproach and perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. Deception is not new. It is the way Satan gets us to violate God's words to us as he did with Eve at Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, You shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil, and blessing and calamity. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some also to her husband, and he ate. Paul even expresses fear that believers in the church at Corinth would be led astray with lies brought by false prophets at 2 Corinthians 11 verses 3 and 4. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts would be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. 
we are also subject to being deceived like Israel's leaders were through Moab's wicked example at Baal Peor, found in Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. Israel settled down and remained in Shittim, and the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab, who invited the Israelites to the sacrifices of their gods, and they ate and bowed down to Moab's gods. So Israel joined himself to the god Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders or chiefs of the people and hang them before the Lord and the Son after killing them, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each one of you slay his men who joined themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the Israelites came and brought to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and of all the congregation of Israel while they were weeping at the door of the tent of meeting over the divine judgment and the punishment. And when Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the inner room and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. Then the smiting plague was stayed from the Israelites. Nevertheless, those who died in the smiting plague were 24,000. Listeners, we pray that you will be alert and not deceived. The same alert is found in the following passages. 1 Corinthians 16.13 Be alert and on your guard. Stand firm in your faith, your conviction, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, keeping the trust and holy fervor born of faith and a part of it. Act like men and be courageous. Grow in strength. Ephesians 6.18 Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. Colossians 4, verse 2. Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you were doing. We end with Adam Clark's commentary on verse 8. Let us who are of the day, who believe the gospel and belong to Christ, not give way to a careless, unconcerned state of mind, like to sinners in general, who are stupefied and blinded by sin, so that they neither think nor feel, but live in time as if it were eternity, or rather live as if there were no eternity, no future state of existence, rewards, or punishments. Let us watch, be always on the alert, and be sober, making a moderate use of all things. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. You can hear this message again on our website at saveonemorenow.org. We can be reached by email at 
truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life life is good. God God gives life. God is good.